listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. We successfully made it through the entire college basketball season, and the Baylor Bears are your national champions in a very, very dominating performance. Just as we all expected, right? Yeah. Not not exactly, but, uh, I mean, we've, we've said it since they scheduled the game early in the season, and then when it was canceled, this was going to be – the game in college basketball. They were clearly the two best teams. I don't think anyone can argue that at this point. Very clearly one and two, and the rest were fighting for third. Um, and Baylor played a sensational game. That said, Gonzaga also played a pretty poor game on their part. I don't think, though, that Gonzaga playing even an average game wins that one for them. I think it makes it a seven-point loss, but it's it's still you're still losing to Baylor because they were just that good. Yeah, Baylor was extremely physical from the start and, and just everything they were doing was based around taking Gonzaga out of its comfort zone. Every cut, every drive, there was contact, um, just trying to bump guys off of what they would normally do, just kind of free runs, freedom of movement sort of thing. And in a lot of ways, it reminded me of what Gonzaga had done to other teams over the course of the year. Like, yeah. From a shooting perspective in the first half, and we kind of talked about this at halftime, it reminded me a lot of BYU in the WCC championship game, um, just kind of going off against Gonzaga. But big difference here, Baylor can do that for the whole game. Like They are so good right. at so many things, we sometimes forget what kind of shooting team they are. A very good one, arguably the best in the country. And out of the gate they just imposed their will. And and that specifically reminded me of what Gonzaga did to USC. Like everyone with the ball in their hands for Gonzaga offensively looked unsure of themselves. Like guys were forgetting how to dribble at times. Every drive, their help defender was, was swiping in, knocking the ball away. There was maybe one clean pass per possession. Everything else was getting deflected, thrown away. Um, I mean, just, harassed in some way so i mean credit to baylor they they had the they they knew exactly what they needed to do and they they went out and executed perfectly it got to the point where it actually seemed like there was a depth perception problem for the gonzaga ball handlers because every time they had the ball they thought it it seemed as if they thought they had more space and were just very clearly getting the ball poked away or you know pivoting and moving the ball and knocking, having it knock into a Baylor defender's arm. Incredibly active in the passing lanes. I mean, they won this game defensively. Sure, you can say they scored 80-plus points, and that's the recipe to beat Gonzaga. But they were, like you said, so physical from the start, so active, so aggressive. The passing lanes, I mean, there were there's certainly some – fatigue and, and some issue there for Gonzaga but at the same time like they they weren't closing out Baylor was incredibly aggressive on the glass and the few shots they did miss early on they were getting offensive rebounds second third even fourth chance opportunities and when you're chasing early especially the momentum of that game you cannot allow offensive rebounds because that was that was the killer early on and I saw a tweet it was 11-1 to open the game as we all remember from there till halftime, the game was even. And then to start the second half again, Baylor imposed their will and ballooned the lead to 20. And then it was just Gonzaga chipping away, trying to make this even a game. 
Yeah, they could never get it back under nine. And yeah, they were they were basically kept at bay after that initial push to start the game in which Gonzaga looks a little shell-shocked. And yeah, the the offensive rebounding for Baylor is another another thing. I mean, they dominated all aspects of the game, which Mark Few was quick to admit in uh, his post-game interview. But yep. that was that was killer because Baylor again was doing to Gonzaga something that Gonzaga was doing to teams all year. It just became impossible for Gonzaga to get back into the game by stringing stops together because they could just never limit Baylor to one shot of possession. Um, and that's why I was a little confused, like why you would go to the zone. I, I guess like Timmy was just so overmatched at times, but like when you are struggling to get any <laughs> defensive rebounds, that's just going to make it harder for you. Um, and it, it worked for maybe two, three possessions. Then Baylor figured it out pretty quickly and got some of their best shooters at the fall line and any momentum Gonzaga had gathered immediately dissipated, but it just did not really seem to matter what Gonzaga did defensively. Baylor was getting second, third, fourth opportunities. Yeah, I, I get the the zone is a quick change of pace, but you can't you can't stick with it just because you get two or three stops. Like Baylor at that point had not missed a three. They're shooting something like 65% from the field. And again, like we have said multiple times, on the shots they missed, they're still getting offensive rebounds. They had 16 in the game. Gonzaga had 22 total rebounds in the game. Just absolute domination in, in so many different areas. Um, Timmy looked so uncomfortable with the ball. He had five turnovers. I will say early on that charge call on Jalen Suggs was horrific, and that yeah. definitely changed yeah. the – Turn the tide early, but I, I even with him in the game, what would it have been eleven to three? Maybe you know it's not like he would have made that big a difference that early on. Yeah, I would have just had a little more confidence in their offense. Nemhard had far from his best game and just literally dribbled the ball out of bounds a couple times. Um, mm -hmm. Forgot how to play basketball. Um, just I mean Baylor, Baylor got Gonzaga thinking, and, and yeah, like. Timmy was under duress all night, and that kind of seemed to be the strategy of Baylor at both ends, attacking the offensive glass, attacking anyone who drove to the hoop, which is why Gonzaga was able to shoot so many free throws in the first half. Kind of seemed like uh, Vital and the two centers for Baylor were all in the mindset and given instructions, like, you have five fouls, just be aggressive, use all of them, we'll rotate guys out as needed, but the most important thing is just imposing our imprint on this game, making Gonzaga think every time they take it to the bucket. And again, just never letting them to settle in and play their game. Yeah, 100%. And, and at times, give them a taste of their own medicine. I mean, the cutting, back doors, the ball movement, off-ball movement was phenomenal for Baylor the entire night. And that was, that was the difference. Yeah, hit their first five threes, and then that really opened everything up once – Gonzaga had to extend. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was a no-win proposition defensively uh, for Gonzaga. But yeah, like, right. Like we've been saying, phenomenal performance from Baylor. Well-deserved national championship. And I mean, really, the the only what if at this point is just kind of looking back. Like, obviously, COVID issues canceled Baylor Gonzaga that was supposed to happen in the regular season. Also, just Baylor season in general had a significant pause um, that. They were immediately following, very clearly not the same team, struggled mightily with noted bad team Iowa State 
And yes. uh, first game back, ended up dropping a regular season game to Kansas and a game in the Big 12 tournament to Red Hot, Cade Cunningham, Oklahoma State team. The what if at this point is like if that if that pause never happens, if they're able to just continue playing and with the way that they started the regular season in such a dominating fashion, could they have run the table and gone undefeated? It, it yeah. seems possible. It definitely does. I mean, even Scott Drew said it in, you know, when Jim Nance was talking to him, he was like, we've been on a collision course all year. It looked like we were both going to be undefeated. And would that have been something for this title game? Give it a little extra juice as if we needed a little more. But they, I mean, this is, the guards were so good, but this is a very solid, complete basketball team. And it's just annoying now because as we are Gonzaga defenders, we have to go once again, sword and shield in hand back onto the uh, twitter.com and, and defend this team because everyone's going to say it was a fluke and this and that and that they really shouldn't have been there. And it's like, well, look at their schedule. Look who they beat. Look who they've gone out to play. They're going to do it again next year. They'll go play whoever, wherever. I mean, that has been the motto for like a decade now for, for Gonzaga basketball. At some point, you just got to hope they can win one because of the fact that it'll it'll end all the nonsense talk. Yeah, and I don't know. It's it's just kind of it's it's frustrating. It's annoyance, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, it's just constant moving of the goalposts. Um, whatever, like whatever the big one is, keeps moving deeper right. and deeper into the tournament. For for years, it was Gonzaga can't make the final four. All right, well, they've been to two in the last four tournaments. They've been to two championship games the last four tournaments. They have the longest active streak of Sweet 16s um, out, of, out of anyone in the country. So it's like pe- people just at a certain point become impossible to please. And I think it's Gonzaga has quickly become – a team that a lot of people love to hate, like a Duke. Um, and you can see certainly some of the similarities, small private school um, getting much, much better players than some people might think they should. Um, the obvious difference being Duke's in the ACC, Gonzaga's in the WCC, which people keep pointing to as if that has some sort of correlation to tournament results, which it very clearly doesn't. But, I mean, big picture, Gonzaga's going to be fine. Like there's yeah. no there's no reason for panic. Um, this is not like a this or nothing ever. Um, they'll be they'll be just fun. Not to mention they should be preseason top five next year. So yeah, really I, tough, really tough drop off for for Mark Few. Will it be as good as this team? No, you're not. There's not another Jalen Suggs walking through that door. Corey Kispert is most likely gone. Ayayi's probably out the door. There's a chance Timmy leaves as well. Like you're, you're losing all Americans, but the cupboard is not bare. They are recruiting very well, and there is a chance they land the number one recruit in Chet Holmgren, which would really change things as well. Yeah, it seems like rumblings are that uh, that Timmy is more likely than not to return. Mm-hmm. So certainly, if you put him in a front court with Chet Holmgren, that becomes very difficult for teams to deal with, and. They already have five-star Hunter Salas coming in um, from Nebraska. Um, and, yeah, like, the players they're bringing in in garbage time in these games are all top 100 guys. Like, yeah. It, 
they it, it's easy to forget because Mark Few does typically keep a very, very tight rotation. Doesn't normally go past seven, maybe eight guys in a game, but they've got a lot of talent. They've got a couple of good deep international guys. Um, I mean, Ben Gregg is a guy who should have been a high schooler this year playing in Oregon, but decided to come up, get a little bit of experience for the Zags. He's going to be a big interior piece um, for years to come. And it seems like momentum is uh, falling off a little bit, but there's still an outside chance that Gonzaga could get, you know, somebody from the transfer portal like a Walker Kessler. Um, yeah. Any, any number of talented players. Like, guys see what happens when, you know, like a, a Kyle Wiltshire transfers to Gonzaga, transforms mm-hmm. into Andrew Nemhard this year. Um, it's – the the perception from players and obviously getting five stars like Jalen Suggs um, and like potentially Chet Holmgren, like this is a place where guys want to go. It's not going to be like a laborious rebuild process. They're, they're going right. to be right there again next year. 100%. And uh, it's, it's just important to remember that Mark Few is one of the best in the game and, and, when you want to point to the WCC, just remember that they go out, they play whoever, they they still have success in tournament format. And not to pick on your Big Ten, but how would have playing in the Big Ten really changed anything for them? They still made the title game, you know? I, I don't yeah, understand how that argument really works here. You can pick on them all that you want because it normally seems to be coming from a lot of guys with, like, Michigan Abbeys. And I don't – it's, like, very – like. Transitive property normally doesn't work, but literally, like, beat the team that knocks you out of the tournament. So, like, chill. Um, When that team scored almost twice as many points. (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, there's there's no – and Michigan's a team that's going to be very good next year as well. Number one recruiting Mm -hmm. class, bringing back a lot of talent as well. Um, So, they very well could meet in March, and that'll be a lot of people chirping on the internet, I'm sure. But, yeah, like, you were were just saying – things that are not related, not correlated. Like, yes, Gonzaga plays in the WCC. Yes, it is not a power six conference um, that, you know, the American is not a part of, just to remind people. Um, yes. And, but it is a top 10 conference. Like, it's not Yeah, it's not yeah. like they're playing in the Big West or something. Right. But I'm just saying, like, yes, they play in that conference. Yes, they did not win the national title. But, like, those things are not related. Like Right. Exactly. There, there's no, there's no causation there, and I mean, it's it's just kind of one of those things where people will just, and I mean, I I love to do this as much as the next guy. I'll readily admit it, but just spinning things to twist your narrative because when you turn it around on them, be like, all right, well, it was super cool when every team in the Big Ten except for Michigan lost in the first weekend. It's like, oh, you're playing a tough conference, you just beat each other up. It's it's right. like all right, so I ex- explain to me how it would benefit Gonzaga to to play in a conference like that. And like, I just – that's why I don't engage. I try not to. In my, <laughs> in my later years, I've, I've learned that uh, you can't, can't fix stupid. So it happens. That's true. Whatever. But, I mean, like, on a more serious note, like, less than a decade ago, these are the conversations we were having about Jay Wright. Villanova like that is true 
have phenomenal regular seasons, can't win the big one, two national titles later, he's not even considering leaving to go to North Carolina. Um, so like these things work out and, and right now, even though it's very different circumstances, the perception seems a lot like Virginia after they lost to a 16 seed, like Gonzaga yeah. made it to the national title game, but the way they, they lost were undefeated. I think people, people just take the most umbrage with how we were all singing Gonzaga's praises. I think if it was just a situation where Gonzaga is there and they're not like as much the main topic of conversation being undefeated, people probably get less upset and mad online. But yeah, some of, some of the stuff like we're, we're just pretending like the entire rest of the season didn't happen rather than just acknowledging this is a historically good Baylor team and we should celebrate that. But right. Yeah. Oh, well, it's always next year, but they, uh, the big 10 will be good again next year. I like, honestly, it could be three of the top five, depending on who comes and goes. Cause like I yeah. said, Michigan, number one recruiting class, Ohio state probably returning everybody, Purdue returning everybody. Um, so there'll be, there'll be some good teams, Indiana, Trace Jackson Davis. Haven't gotten to gloat about that on the pod yet. He's coming back. So they will Just not remember be Mike Woodson can't recruit. He can't, he can't. And now, and he, he did bring in one of the guys I helped you with that Dane Fife. Um, yeah. To help fill out the staff. Um, so things are looking up. Um, I don't know. It's just so far, it's just the same team as last year, just with an improved coaching staff and Logan Duncan, who just was named first team all Ohio. So again, we're keeping it muted, but I, I am getting triggered at times on the internet when I allow myself to be <laughs> such as, as, long as it's on your terms. That's all that matters, yeah, right? Yeah. I have to keep some semblance of power, but uh, flawless transition, such as when North Carolina hires a guy without any um, head coaching experience and the national media universally sings its praises. And let me just say, I have no problem with Hubert Davis. He was great on game day. He made a yeah. smart career decision to join Roy Williams staff at North Carolina to, I mean, take a position that was kind of coaching waiting. I think it was so long ago that it was almost forgotten about a little bit. Um, so that's, that's how guys like Wes Miller were kind of talked about it as coaching Waden, forgetting at times that Hubert Davis is right there. Um, Carolina guy through and through. So much like Indiana, Carolina going the keep it in family route. Um, a lot of nostalgia, a lot of talk about bringing guys back um, to help fill key positions, whether as um, you know, director of ops, assistant coaches, um, helping with personnel at Carolina. Hubert's going to bring a lot of guys back. And I, I honestly, just just looking at the reaction, everything that's come out of Chapel Hill, it seems like a big-time jolts of energy that the program needed after the last couple of years by Carolina standards were feeling a little lethargic and, I mean, not very exciting. 
Yeah, they're, they're definitely fired up about this one. It's, you know, when the AD comes out and says we're going to keep it in family, that, that really limits the names that people were throwing out there. And then when you take a look and realize Hubert Davis is right there, it's like, well, he's probably it, but they're going to do their due diligence and interview guys like Wes Miller and a few others. But uh, this was the the pretty easy hire. I don't know, you know, it, it is a the absolute definition of a wait and see because we just don't know what he's going to be. He has the assistant coaching experience under Roy Williams, and that is it. You know, that is all he's got. So I'm uh, I'm intrigued, but cautiously. It's it's the exact same thing I feel for Indiana, even though Mike Woodson actually has coaching experience. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing with coaching hires. You can, you can point out, like, what he can bring to the table. He certainly will have no shortage of resources coaching in Chapel Hill at one of the best programs in college basketball, one of the top jobs in college basketball. So it's not going to be for, like, if, if he were to fail, it would not be for lack of support, lack of resources, lack of access to high-level recruits. Um, mm-hmm. But it's got to see how it plays out on the court. The one thing that is a positive, and I kind of referenced this before, it does seem like there's a much better chance now that Walker Kessler comes back out of the transfer portal and, you know, is a Tar Heel for the rest of his career. Um, he yeah. was a little disgruntled with, with his usage, it seemed like. Um, didn't, you know, top 15 recruit, didn't really see the floor too much. Um, and And when he did in tandem with, with guys like Baycott and Sharp was very effective. So mm-hmm. with, uh, with Hubert Davis now running the program and seems to have a little bit different mindset than Roy in terms of like looking more at fit than like Roy is kind of old school and, and seems very locked into seniority. And in this case, it was getting Garrison Brooks probably more minutes than he should have, but if uh, if Carolina can get Walker Kessler back, that's a uh, that's a big win right away. And reason for optimism for the fan base, similar to people like me celebrating all of the Indiana guys who went in the portal now coming back to Bloomington. Right, exactly. I mean, Nate Oates did it when he got to Alabama. Like winning your team or the the previous players on the roster back can be as important, if not more important, than landing new talent because it i mean it, it just shows the direction that guys think the program is going so huge first step um if you can get walker kessler back then i think uh it, he'll be off and running in his in his debut yeah would be a uh would be a nice matchup in the uh acc big 10 challenge Hyper- it would be hubert versus woody but we'll uh we'll have to wait and see um yeah so that's that's really all I have. Do you have anything else? That's that's it for me. All right. Well, it's uh, again. We I don't think we necessarily expected to be in this position a year ago today. Um, after the NCAA tournament got canceled and we were robbed of all the joy that that normally brings us, we got through an abbreviated football season, but still plenty of excitement there. We got through pretty close to a normal length college basketball season, got through an entire March Madness tournament um, and missed it a lot. 
Certainly missed it a lot. We had some big moments like a Jalen Suggs buzzer beater. Well-deserved national championship for Baylor. One of the most uh, dominating performances and best teams that we have seen in recent memory. Um, but as always, thank you for listening. It has been a wonderful year of, of doing this podcast for, for the people. Next year will be better for, for our schools. We are going to speak that into existence. Um, I feel good. Gonzaga is going to be fun, but Seton Hall, Indiana, going to have bounce back years, we hope, or at least in basketball. We're, we're fine in football, obviously. Seton Hall will not lose a game this year, I can say confidently. Guaranteed. Uh, but we will uh, we'll probably take some time off now that it's the offseason, but as soon as big news breaks, we will be back to break it down for you. Thanks for listening, and we will uh, see you next time.